Have you ever felt it? That excitement, that hum that reaches into the very base of your stomach and makes your whole body feel alive? Well, your life can feel like that. Each week, I'll be sharing ways your personal wellness journey can lead you to a life that literally makes you hum. We'll be diving into all things nutrition, mindset, connection, spirituality and relationships to encourage you to be courageous and brave with your life and most importantly, unashamedly you. Together, let's find your hum. Hello, I'm Kirsty and welcome to episode 37 of Find Your Hum. I wish to acknowledge the Daringjung people as the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast has been recorded. I pay my respects to elders past, present and future and recognise the continuing connection and contribution to this land. Well, I've repressed a record on this episode on the day that the Premier here in New South Wales had just announced an extension to our lockdown for another four weeks. So I'm really hoping that the timing of this episode will be very welcomed. This is a podcast I've wanted to record for some time now. I've been hesitant. Hesitant as I know this topic is one that is deeply emotive to many. It's one that divides family and friends. And to be honest, I was a little concerned over possible backlash that I may receive over this. I have seen emotions boil over and I wasn't sure I wanted to step into the arena. So I've sat with it and the desire to speak to this has not gone away. This really is a case of speak even though your voice shakes. Because honestly, speaking about this on such a public forum does make me just a little nervous. Before I begin, I want to make it very clear. This is my view, based on my experiences, based on my research and based on my knowledge. Am I an expert? No. Am I a medical professional in the strict sense of the word? No. I do, however, have a degree in health science. I have a level of understanding on the way the body works, the way viruses works, how to read and read between the lines on research papers. I've spent over 12 months in the UK from the onset of COVID until May of this year as restrictions began to ease. I still consult over there. I have many family and friends over there. So what I'm about to share during this episode does come with experience and understanding. It is, however, not to be taken as medical advice, and I urge you to speak to a health professional, or in this case, maybe even a few, so that you can get the advice that you need to make your own decisions. Now, this topic is one that stirs up a lot of emotion in people. If you find that you are listening to this coming from a place of high emotion, this actually may not be the right time for you to listen. My intention is not to fan flames. This episode really is for those people who feel a little caught up and lost with everything that is happening in the hope that my experience and my perspective can help. I'm not even really sure where to start with this episode. There is so much I want to talk about. I want to be very clear that I'm not for or against lockdowns or mask wearing or vaccinations. From my current situation, I can clearly see both sides of the argument. Actually, there's usually more than two sides, isn't there? Let's face it, in any argument, there's like three or four. And it's from this place that I really want to share. I'm going to actually start with the fear that is happening around me at the moment. 
there is a very real fear. And that fear is on both sides. I read a post a few days ago from Carly Nimmo. I interviewed her on the podcast a few episodes back. She's a freaking amazing human. So if you haven't listened to her episode, please head back and check that out. She posted about this very thing. Fear coming from both sides. This isn't a case of fear versus freedom. It is fear versus fear, which is very quickly turning into hate. There is the very real fear for some people that they will lose loved ones. There is a very real fear for some people that they feel like their right to choose has been taken away. Both of these come from a place of losing control. When you feel like you are backed into a corner, what is the natural thing to do? You fight your way out. I have some people very close to me that were and are at higher risk of complications if they get this virus. I lived with a highly vulnerable uncle in the UK and I am currently looking after a friend who has recently had some pretty major surgery. So no matter what my thoughts are on the chances of me potentially getting this virus or how sick I would become, it actually isn't about me in both of those situations. It was and is about making sure that those two people are safe. There are a lot of people out there in similar situations. I have a sister-in-law with type 1 diabetes. Now for the most part it's controlled, but sometimes through no fault of her own, her sugars whack out. In these times, she is more vulnerable if she gets the virus. I have a friend with a heart condition. A heart condition he was born with. If he gets this, he is vulnerable. Having people close to you that are in real danger from this virus brings with a level of fear. And a fear that should not be diminished or gaslighted away by those who are not in the same situation. These people, the people around them, they are in fear. They have no control over this virus spreading. They have no control over others helping to protect them. They feel their back is against the wall, so they fight. There is the opposite side. There are many who have lost loved ones through increases in mental health disorders and domestic violence from the lockdowns. There are people struggling with money due to not being able to work or be able to find work. And I'm going to be totally open and real with you here and say, that is me. I went to the UK in November 2019 to work and live abroad. Four months later, we were in lockdown. I was in another country with no work and limited financial support. I've come back to Australia and I'm experiencing the same thing. I was here six weeks before we were put back into lockdown. And if you think that the government is handing out money to those in need, think again. I can tell you the amount of money I'm receiving is barely enough to survive on. Absolutely, I'm grateful I get something, but it's still hard. The government did nothing to help get Aussies home. In fact, to get home cost me just under $5,000 with the flights and the quarantine. I have been on one hell of an emotional roller coaster over the past 16 months. There was months of booking flights and having them cancelled. There was months spent with nothing to do. At the end of this week, I would have spent 43 weeks in lockdown and two in quarantine in the past 16 months. And I'm now looking at another four weeks in lockdown. That is the equivalent of 10 and a half months. Believe me when I say I understand the effects 
that this has on your mental, physical and emotional health. There are those that have businesses that are struggling. And when you can't control what is happening, when you feel your back is against a wall, what do you do? You fight. You fight for your freedom. Both of these positions come from fear. Fear that is being drummed up on both sides. Are balanced views being given? No, they are not. It is very hard for anyone to come to the table without having a level of bias. We are humans with emotions, with beliefs. That automatically gives us a level of bias. My auntie lent me a book when I was with her in England. It's called Conversations of God. Sorry, Conversations with God. Now, don't let the title dissuade you. That term God can be replaced with whatever you want in terms of your belief. Source, universe, Allah, Buddha. But there was a passage in there that really resonated with me. All human actions are motivated at their deepest level by two emotions, fear or love. In truth, there are only two emotions, only two words in the language of the soul. Fear wraps our bodies in clothing. Love allows us to stand naked. Fear clings to and clutches all that we have. Love gives all that we have away. Fear holds close. Love holds dear. Fear grasps. Love lets go. Fear rankles. Love soothes. Fear attacks. Love amends. If we look at what is happening, particularly here in Australia at the moment, but in other areas of the world at different times, we can see this being played out. Now, I do not quote this to say that those that are coming from fear are wrong. Neither of these emotions are right or wrong. They are very real and very valid emotions. I quote this for you so that maybe you can do a little self-inquiry and see where you are sitting. And if it's in fear, that's okay. There is a lot to fear at the moment. Fear of losing loved ones. Fear for yourself. Fear of being stuck in lockdown for an undefined time. Fear of not being able to support your family or keep your business going. Fear of not being able to see loved ones. And on top of that is uncertainty. Uncertainty comes from fear. And there is a lot of that around at the moment. I'm not saying you have to move into love around this topic Because again, I have ridden this wave on and off for months. Fear is very real and a very valid emotion. I would suggest finding times where you can operate from a little love. Find some love in the areas of your life that maybe you do have a little more control over. For me, it's very much about the day-to-day routine. Yes, it's restricted. Oh my goodness, is it restricted? And it's been restricted for months, like almost a year. So. I understand the restrictions, but I can approach it with love. I can choose to feed myself with nutritious, yummy food by moving my body, by connecting with my friends and family, maybe not in the exact same way as I want to, but I can still connect with them. I also cut myself some slack if I'm feeling heavy because there is a heaviness at the moment and acknowledging that is the best way for me to be able to move through it. A friend reminded me last week that we do always have control over the way we respond to what is happening to us and around us. 
The other thing I wanted to address was the vaccination and numbers and lockdown and sort of that kind of thing. Because my goodness, again, there has been fear-mongering on both sides. And when we're in fear, how can we possibly make decisions that are best for us? I just want to reiterate here that you need to seek out medical advice for what is right for you and your circumstances. And I would suggest finding this advice from a number of sources because there are people on both sides of this debate that have their own agendas. The subject of vaccinations has caused a lot of heated debate with me and those around me. I was still living in the UK when the vaccine was first spoken about, developed and rolled out. And for those of you who don't know, the UK went all in. In six months, the UK has given over 37 million people both doses of the vaccine. And over 46 million of them have had a first dose. This equals 88% of adults over 18 with their first dose and 70.3% of adults over 18 that are fully vaccinated. Now, knowing what I know about vaccines, I was honestly outraged with how quickly that this vaccine came about. The normal path of vaccines literally takes years, like years to go from idea to development. So how in the hell could we be rolling out a vaccine in just nine short months? And then to add to that, in the UK, they adopted an opt-out system rather than an opt-in like we have in Australia. Each doctor's surgery would organise the rollout schedule based on vulnerability and age. When it was your time, you got a call and you went in for your appointment. It started with the over 90s and the vulnerable and those working in the healthcare sector and then rolled down through each decade, so 80, 70, 60. And on top of that, the possibility of being restrained from living life because I wasn't keen on getting the jab. Oh, I can tell you, I was all fired up whenever I spoke to anyone about it. My usual rational ability to see both sides of the situation was completely out the window. Remember, at this time, I was already in a swirl of uncertainty and restraint. I was stuck in the UK. Australia had closed its borders. Getting home seemed impossible. Flights were upwards of $10,000. I had very little income. My usual support network was on the other side of the world. Looking back, it was pretty easy to see how being told I had to have a vaccine that I wasn't completely okay with was something that absolutely touched a nerve with me. And I can see how this is happening now with people. It feels like uncertainty is being piled on top of uncertainty. And for the most part, humans don't do well with uncertainty. The feelings I felt six to eight months ago, I can hear echoed around me. If the vaccine doesn't stop you getting COVID, why should we have to have it? If the vulnerable people are vaccinated, isn't that enough? I'm not sure I'm okay with how quickly the approval was given. These are literally the things that I was thinking. I was also surrounded by people that were more than happy to roll up their sleeves and have their jab when I was over in the UK. Trust me, it was a very interesting space to be in. But I was also really lucky enough that I could have conversations with those around me with differing views, my friends, my family over there, that didn't wreck our relationships. It allowed the conversation to be. I'm not against vaccines, 
But I also like to know facts. I like to understand what I'm putting in my body. There are a lot of people in my area of natural health that do hold a different view from this and that are against not just this vaccine, but all vaccines. And this is one of the reasons why I was hesitant to do this episode. I've seen people, prominent people, vilified, sent death threats and had abuse hurled against them for having the vaccine. But then I got over myself and let's face it, I'm not going to attract the attention they do. And I also felt like my community, like you guys listening, would appreciate me recording this episode. Now what I have learnt about this vaccine rollout, about the trials, to a certain extent, can you still call it experimental? Probably yes. But unlike other vaccine trials, other vaccines that have had to go through approval processes, this one was able to go through a little bit quicker because more people put their hand up for the initial trials. You got to remember, we were in the throes of a worldwide pandemic. Literally, the, pretty much the whole world was shut down at the time that these vaccines started to go into trial. So people were putting their hands up for the first trials, for the second trials. We have had whole countries now fully immunized and not just for a couple months, for quite a few months. There has actually been hundreds of thousands, no millions, sorry, millions of people that have had this vaccine. But do we know the long-term effects of these? No, we don't. And we're not going to know those straight away. But in terms of the short-term outcomes for those that are vulnerable, for those that are relatively healthy, the short-term and immediate outcomes actually seem to be not too bad. Data from the World Health Organization has total deaths from this virus sitting at just over 4 million with 196 million cases recorded. Now this is in the world. Now I'm not going to say that these statistics are the most accurate. There's been some reporting that I would question as in like literally some countries are making the numbers look worse. It was happening in the UK. Death was classified as a COVID death if that death occurred within 28 days of a positive COVID test, that person could have gotten over their COVID and unfortunately gone out and died from a completely unrelated incident and it would still have been put down as a COVID death. But on the flip side, there are going to be deaths that haven't been recorded due to the countries they have occurred in. So pretty much this is all the data that we currently have to go on. And that puts deaths at around 2% or 2.14 to be exact. The current population of Australia is 25,800,000. So if we were having the same amount of deaths as the rest of the world, 2% of that is just over half a million people. Now I know we are all up in arms about a lockdown and vaccines, but honestly, how would you feel if we lost over half a million people? Now, I am by no means stating these stats to stand up for what the government has done with lockdowns or to make you go and get a vaccine. I really do want this podcast to be about offering perspectives, perspectives that I myself have gone through to get to where I am now. And hey, those perspectives could change in a month's time. Six months ago, there was no way I would even consider a vaccine. The stats above, the world stats, 
are based on the fact that a lot of countries have been in some form of lockdown and administering vaccines on a large scale. Whether or not you trust the vaccine, the fact is those that have it, and even yes, still catch the virus, are less likely to die from it. Now I've got some stats from the national health system over in the UK. During the second wave in the UK, where cases were up around 40,000 a day, one in 60 people were dying from COVID. Now, over there, it's one in 1,500. We don't know what that number would be without the vaccine. But I know I would rather the odds of one in 1,500 than one in 60. And whilst you may be listening to this thinking that it wouldn't be you, and in full transparency, I don't think I would die from catching the virus. My diet is packed with nutrient-dense food. My blood sugar regulation is good. I move my body daily. My blood pressure is on point. My cholesterol is great. At the moment, I actually don't even have too much overwhelming pressure or stress in my life. But I can tell you there are a lot of people in this country who could not say the same, who would be at risk, whether or not they have a diagnosed underlying health condition or not. Please don't think I'm fear-mongering. I'm not. I'm being realistic. I have people who are close to me that work in healthcare, both here and in the UK. Now, the one that's in the UK works in A&E, accident emergency, quite literally on the front line. And honestly, listening to the stories that she was telling me back in February, it makes it oh so real. I remember her saying to me, I keep thinking that the next set of shifts, the tide will turn. And I've been saying that for two, three, four weeks now. They literally had to extend parking for ambulances. So whatever you think about this COVID virus, it does put people in hospital. I've also got a friend over here that literally sees people in hospital now. And people are honestly scared of it. They are honestly scared of catching the virus and dying. And she has to be able to hold space for them. She has to keep herself safe. She has to keep them safe. I think it's people like this that we also really need to consider. This is also where I get really annoyed with the government and the media, not just here in Australia, but everywhere. Yes, the vaccines are helping. But what about the evidence of the impact of obesity and metabolic health on immunity? There has been studies, and just as rigorous as the ones that have been done to approve the vaccines, that show that if you improve your nutrition, get your blood sugar in balance, improve your gut health and exercise, the effectiveness on the vaccine is improved. It is a very real and known fact being overweight with a less than optimal metabolic profile puts you more at risk of complications of COVID. This makes you vulnerable, which puts you in the front of the queue for the vaccine. And now it's been shown that the effectiveness of that very vaccine is increased if you can improve your weight and metabolic profile. Why is no one talking about that? Why is there no money being spent on that? I mean, here in Greater Sydney, we are all locked down for the most part. We don't have that many distractions from the busyness of everyday life. This is the perfect time to make changes. In 2017-2018, it was estimated that two in three Australian adults were overweight or obese. 
Of that, 36% were overweight and 31% were obese. That's a one-third of our population at a higher risk of complications from catching COVID. We also have one in four children being overweight and obese. And again, I don't say this to fearmonger. It is a fact. We have a decent portion of our community at risk. Now, I am about to bring astrology in, but mainly because I find it interesting because it's seriously playing out in the community right now. We are in Leo season. Leo season is a season of self. And we have just had the Aquarius full moon, and we also have Saturn making some big moves in Aquarius this year. Aquarius is about community and the collective good, about rebellion, and about finding innovative new ways of doing things. Now, I don't know about you, but is this not playing out here? This whole self versus community and collective good, about rebellion, about maybe finding new ways of doing things? Put the government, put the media, and put what they are bringing to the table aside. How can we balance our own needs with those of the community? How can we come together? How can we do things differently? How can we drop the us versus them? There is also a large body of evidence that shows low vitamin D status increases risk. And we think just because we live in Australia, we are okay with vitamin D. Well, I'm telling you, the majority of people I see have vitamin D that is borderline deficient, let alone sitting around the optimal 100 mark. And what are we doing about that? Absolutely nothing. This is where it frustrates me. Why can't we work together? So often nowadays we rely on a pill or a jab to take away our symptoms or to improve our condition. But it always comes back to addressing the underlying cause. This is a perfect example of how a holistic approach needs to be taken. Combine medicine with nutrition and lifestyle improvements. Why is it always an us versus them situation? There are some people in the holistic health space that would argue we don't need the vaccine, we just need to continue to improve our health. And whilst that is a huge part of ensuring our immune systems are functioning well, it is not always the case and it cannot always be done quick enough. As I said earlier, I have some pe people that are close to me that were and are at a higher risk of complications if they get this virus. To some extent it would be the same if they got the flu. Whilst there are a lot of comparisons about this virus and the flu, there are also a lot of differences. Those people have a level of protection against the flu due to the flu vaccine. The reason they are at higher risk has nothing to do with their weight. They have underlying conditions they have no control over. And there are a lot of people out there in similar situations. Very similar to the sister-in-law I was talking about before with type 1 diabetes, like the friend I have with the heart condition, neither of these people have underlying health conditions they have any control over. And that's where I get a little frustrated with people in the holistic health space being so one-eyed. There is no amount of healthy eating, of exercise, that will make these people any less vulnerable. As a community, we actually choose others over ourselves in situations like this regularly. Whooping cough is a great example. If I got whooping cough, would it severely affect me? Most likely not. 
If I gave it to my newborn niece, would it severely affect her? Absolutely. Which is why I decided to get that vaccine four years ago. So I could hold her knowing I wasn't putting her in danger. This is exactly the same with this vaccination. And this is one of the reasons I decided to have the vaccination. Yep, I have had my first shot. Did I do it for me? No, I didn't. I did it to add to the protection of those around me. As I said earlier, I have ridden the wave of the vaccine roller coaster. When I studied my business degree, we were taught the product life cycle, stages of the consumer adoption, and how people interact with a new product when it comes out. And I can see so many similarities with this vaccine. The adoption process basically moves from awareness to interest to evaluation to trial then adoption. I certainly spent a lot of time at the evaluation part. Others that I know needed no time for evaluation. Once I'd done my evaluation, there was a little bit of time spent trialing the possibility of having it out in my own head. Because let's face it, this isn't a product you can actually trial and then decide, no, you don't want to have it. And with any product, you will always have the people that are innovators. In this case, those were the ones that were putting their hands up for the trial. Then you have the early adopters and the majority. These people are more of your pragmatists and they just realise that, oh, we're going to have to have this, so we might as well just get on with it. Then you have your late majority. I feel this is a category I fall into, considering I spent a lot of time in the UK and my exposure to this vaccine over there. Like, I've been around this for almost a year, maybe even a little bit longer. The people that are in that late majority, these people are more conservative. And finally, they're the people who, for want of a better term, lag. These are sceptics. Now, there isn't a right or wrong place to be. We all need to move through the adoption process. How quickly that will be is dependent on where you sit, between innovators to sceptics. And I would honestly say, give yourself the time to do what's right for you. But don't let mass media or social media be the only place you do your evaluating. Talk to people you trust. See more than one side. There is always more than one side. And you may get to the evaluation part and decide that it's not right for you. And that is also okay. But just know that whatever restrictions or anything the government puts on you, that has to be part of your evaluation. Whether or not you agree with what the government puts in place or other governments around the world put in place in terms of vaccine passports or whatever, not saying I totally agree with that kind of stuff because I do feel like that's a little bit of control. But the fact of the matter is, it's not going to go away. Australia's not the only country that's doing it. It's definitely already in place in some places in Europe. That has to be part of your evaluation. I also think if we are going to change the way that we feel that maybe the government is controlling us, we need to do it in really healthy, directed ways. What those ways are, I don't know. But I just know that things like protest through the streets are not always the answer. As for my own personal experience, I am now three weeks post first jab, almost 12 hours to the minute from getting my jab. And I had my jab at 8.30 in the morning. I started to experience some tiredness, mild body chills, and my temp did increase over the sort of the next three hours. 
I spiked a minor fever at 38.1 degrees at around 11 p.m. and it honestly lasted less than an hour. Then I felt pretty tired through to about lunchtime the next day. Now, you could say this was an adverse reaction, but honestly, I don't see it like that. When a virus invades your body, you want your immune system to detect it to make antibodies. And I know with certainty that my immune system detected that. So I am not going to put that down as an adverse reaction. And because people will probably be wondering, based on my research, based on what I felt most comfortable going with, I decided to have the AstraZeneca vaccination. This had always been my preference right from the beginning and with all the research that I'd done, it continued to stay my preference. I know some of you are going to have strong feelings about this episode. I know because I've had strong feelings about everything I've spoken about. I am more than happy to engage in conversations around this with anyone who comes to that conversation with an open mind, kindness and compassion because that is what I will bring and I will always expect that in return. I have had those strong feelings. I have let myself process them. I dived into each side of the debate. I didn't get caught up on either side. I didn't take anything on face value. It's with this experience that I wanted to bring you this episode. If nothing else, I hope it allows you to accept that you can be in fear around what life is going to look like in a month's time, in two months' time, in a year's time. You can be in doubt over vaccinations. You can feel uncertain, angry, frustrated. And you can also find yourself in a place where you've ridden those waves and landed at a spot that you do feel truly comfortable with. And hey, you might even be able to find a little joy amongst it all. Cheers for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Hum. Don't forget to subscribe. Oh, and tell your mates about it.